there is a lot of misinformation surrounding the diet world, the nutrition world, the weight loss world. Simple rule of thumb is the health of anything is in direct relation to the health of the food that it's eaten. Right. Mm. This includes humans. This includes chickens. This includes cows. This includes everything. When it came to eating and dieting, I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I interviewed over a thousand women, and I said, "What did you do? Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. What did you eat? How'd you do it?" If you want to learn how to lose weight for life through intermittent fasting, burn fat, and break the bondage of food, then this podcast is for you. I'm Chantel Ray, author of Waste Away: The Chantel Ray Way, and each week. I have different guests answering your questions. Remember, the thoughts and opinions in this podcast do not constitute medical advice. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode, and I'm so excited for my next guest. He's a chiropractic doctor, the founder and creator of the New Start Health Center and the New Start Solution Program. He is also the founder of a Holistic Doctors United and the author of The Weight is Over, the links between food, health, and weight that your doctor hasn't told you. So welcome, Dr. Trent. Thank you. Hello. How are you today? Very good. So let's talk a little bit about your own wellness journey and what led you into developing the New Start Health Center. Okay. Um, Well, actually, when I was 16, I was in a car accident. Um, At that point, I always wanted to be an anesthesiologist. I'm not sure why. Uh, That's just what I want to put people to sleep. That was when I was a kid. (laughs) I don't know what that meant. But that was where I was at. And my dad made me tell everybody that's what you want to be. And that was what I was running with. But I got into a pretty bad car accident. I broke my jaw here and here. I went through quite a bit of surgeries. I do a four hour reconstructive surgery, put a steel plate in my chin. And I met the anesthesiologist and I realized his job did not look like very much fun at all. So I thought, nope, I'm not doing that. I don't want to do that no more. So went to my cousin, who's a chiropractor after I, you know, I got my dental work done and my face reconstructed after the surgeries. And my back was still sore and stiff just from a pretty major accident. And my cousin took care of me, lined me up, made me feel unbelievable. And I could tell he was happy and he loved his job. And I thought, John, his name's John Watson. Um, John, how do I become a chiropractor? And he said, I went to Purdue then I went to Palmer. So following suit was 16 years old. I went to Purdue. I went to Palmer. And during that curriculum is when I started really developing my idea of chiropractic and developing the new start brand, if you will, trying to say, I don't want to be just another Mozingo chiropractic that put a shingle on the wall and and just adjusts people all day. I want to do something different. So I started studying the biochemistry world and I started learning about nutrition, um, digging pretty deep. And then I decided I wanted my office to focus on functionality more than just low back pain or headaches or anything that's, you know, the stereotypical chiropractic office worries about. So I started to focus on how to treat this inflammatory epidemic that we have going on. And that wanted me to bridge into calling it New Start Health Center because I wanted people to think that this is like a beginning to their new style of healthcare, their new lifestyle that they're going to design to basically treat the little things instead of just back pain every day. Wow. And you know, one thing that I will notice, I mean, more and more, all physicians are leaving their primary care and opening up functional medicine practices. But I will say that chiropractors, I would say, are the number one physician that are leaving 
their primary care of just doing adjustments and moving into that functional medicine practice. Wouldn't you agree? It's big. Um, there's a, there's a, there's a huge market. And I think that with the foundation of chiropractic studies is it's a holistic nature. So it's easy to segue from, uh, the holistic chiropractic field to the functional nutrition world where it's a little bit, it's a little bit more of a rocky road going from that, you know, the MD, the pharmacology world to the functional nutrition world. It's to me, I think the chiropractic segue is just a little bit easier of a transition. And that's probably why it's becoming so much more fluid for them to do it. Yeah. And functional medicine addresses the underlying causes of the disease and using a system systemat, systematized approach on trying to kind of heal the body. And I think that just kind of lines hand in hand, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the foundation of what chiropractic was designed around. So yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So the question that I ask all my guests is just walk me through a day in the life of Dr. Trent. Like, what did you eat yesterday? When did you eat it? Did you work out? Kind of what does your lifestyle look like? What is a day in the life of you? Well, every day my alarm is set for 7 a.m., but I wake up at 630. <laughs> I don't know why my brain, my body will not let me sleep past 630. So I just kind of lay there in bed and gather my thoughts for the day, get my head right, you know, get woke up a little bit and then I start, well, Mondays and Wednesdays, my office hours are open Monday through Thursday, but Mondays are a different shift than Tuesday and Thursday. So Mondays, my, my workout is on Monday and Wednesday, it's at lunchtime, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, it's in the morning. So there's always a workout in there. It's usually just a general weight training workout. Um, my diet consists of pretty much whole foods. Um, intermittent fasting is a, is a major part of my life. Um, in my book, I discuss, you know, basically the, the metabolic reasoning and the hormone and the hormonal reasoning that intermittent fasting makes the most sense as far as how a human body is designed to eat. So I try to incorporate that as much as I can, but I'm bridging it into kind of a, I use the term hunter and gatherer form of it. So the days that I have a vigorous workout, I don't really eat an animal product or a protein product until post-workout. I'm trying to simulate that hunt, if you will. So if someone has to catch a squirrel to eat it, you know, it's going to take a bit of a run or a bit of vigorous exercise to gather an animal product. So that's kind of the reward is the protein to help rejuvenate muscle growth. But the plant-based diet that it's 80% of my diet is – as the day goes on, it's readily available, kind of like the gathering of the berries. You gather a large basket and it'll, you can ration that for a while. So that's the simulation of my, my nutrition. Um, so I usually do um, 18, 6, uh, or sometimes a full 24-hour fast is generally how I live. If I have a really busy schedule in my office and I'm, you know, I'm, dry, I'm, I'm dragging a little bit, I always have some apples or something to just to get my, my brain functioning again, because I'm fasted too far, but something like that. So you said, what is your normal window? What, like, if you had a day range, what do you, what time do you normally eat, start eating? And when do you end eating? Generally speaking, I'll have lunch around one o'clock. Um, I will never, I don't typically ever eat breakfast. It just doesn't work for me very well. So I'll have lunch around one o'clock and I'll either have another meal at five or I won't have another meal depending on the size of your lunch yeah yeah Yeah. and and again depending on if I have a a long night ahead of me or if I have a 
you know, if I have a lot of writing I need to do that night, I will eat that day. And that kind of decides whether I do it or not, just because I need that little bit of brain power. Gotcha. All right, let's jump right into our listener questions. The first one says, I'm eight months pregnant while having terrible back pain that shoots from my lower back down to my left leg. It's the worst in the middle of the night when I have to get up to go to the bathroom. Being pregnant, I know I can't take any medicine for the pain, but there are, are there any exercises or stretches I could try? Oh, okay. That's a good chiropractic question. Um, you know, pregnancy is a big one we see in the office. It's an uphill climb because, you know, during that eighth month, you know, into the end of the third trimester, your pelvis is really opening up. You're getting prepared for the birthing process, if you will. Um, There's a lot of reason or there's a lot of correlation between that sciatica pain and just general inflammation through that opening process in the pelvis. So strengthening is important of the gluteus muscles, you know medium maximus and minimus you need to do an air squat type exercise is really good to also strengthen the pelvic floor the glutes and a little bit of ab core just it's tough at eight months but maintaining that tone around your pelvis is important just to keep it from being hypermobile or joint laxity due to the hormone relaxant coming into your bloodstream to appropriate the the birthing process so there are, you know, um, pregnancy massage you can get that'll help soothe a little bit of that muscle tension and sciatic pain. Um, and there's also some chiropractors that can take you up into the final days of your pregnancy that would help align the, the pelvis the best you can to just kind of prep you for that you know, okay. birthing process. Yeah. Next one is from Mia in Corpus Christi. I'm trying to eat a lot cleaner, but not sure what kind of meat I should be eating. Should I be getting organic, lean? What's the benefits of free range and grass fed? All these terms are making my head spin. And we got another question very similar to that. But it's like, you know, one saying get, you know, more lean. One saying, you know, you want the fat. The next one is organic, but is it grass fed or is it grass finished? You know, it can get a little overwhelming. What is your thoughts on that? There is a lot of misinformation surrounding the diet world, the nutrition world, the weight loss world. Simple rule of thumb is the health of anything is in direct relation to the health of the food that it's eaten. Right. Mm. This includes humans. This includes chickens. This includes cows. This includes everything, includes Mm, plants. So your plants eat soil for the most part. That's what they consume with rainwater and sunlight. But if your soil is healthy, the plant is going to be relatively healthy, which if you're going to eat the fruit from that plant, that's going to be healthier for the human. If your plant is grown in, you know, poor soil or dehydrated, didn't get enough water that year or grown in a shady spot with not enough sunlight the plant fruit the harvest won't be as valuable for the the host so eating as organic as you can is going to mean the soil is going to be enriched with better fertilizers not synthetic fertilizers and you're going to go through that harvesting process that's not going to overproduce that soil like a lot of the factory farming does so organic is more beneficial for that reasoning ground or for Basically, if you're going to say lean meat or beefs, um, free range deer, for example, is a healthy meat because it's not on a factory farm getting fed a very strict grain fed diet where cows are not designed to eat corn their whole life. It actually inflames their digestive tract. So 
the health of that beef because it grew on an unhealthy ish diet will be less healthy for the host when you eat it. So grass fed cows are ruminant animals. They're made to break down the fibers of grass. So they're going to flourish their health. The cow's health will flourish on grass fed. The cow's health is flourishing. Eating that cow is going to be better for your health because they were healthy. And that's kind of how I lay it out is you want to eat food that is as healthy as the food can be to push into the next level of you. If it's processed at all, it doesn't matter if it says natural or not natural or sugar or not sugar. Processed food is really never something that our human body is designed to digest. So that So talk about grass fed versus grass finished for just a second. Okay, so I think maybe uh grain finished maybe what you mean. Um No, well they do say like they'll say grass fed and uh-huh. then they'll also say grass finished. Okay. Some of the meats will say that. So what we do, oh, I grew up on a beef farm. Uh, that's what I do for, my, my dad does for a living. Um, we grass feed for the most part. And again, that is going to make a less marbled meat because corn grain, if you will, is very fattening. It's got a high glycemic load. So when you feed a cow corn at all, it's going to grow really, really fast. So mm-hmm. if you're using the term grass fed or grass finished, and what we use in our farm is grain finished where it's corn fed its whole life or grass fed its whole life. And then the final months it's grain fed to marble it and make the meat buttery and delicious. Mm. Well, yeah. So grass finished beef means that the, it comes from the cattle that ate nothing but grass and for their entire lives. Yes. Grass fed could mean it started on grass, okay. but then at the end maybe was finished so, with, with some grain or they had a received like a supplemental grain feed. So, so grass, grass would be the whole way. Okay. Yeah. So grass finished would be the whole way. And that's, I, there is value in a commodity and selling grass all the way. Beef is difficult because it, it, it just doesn't taste as good. And for the most part, once they hit that um, seven, 800 pound range as a cow, once you finish them with grain, you're not going to really detriment their health enough to offset the unhealth to lose the health of the beef. But if you can do it, if you like it, grass finish is hundred percent where you should be. It, grass is the cow's natural diet. That's what it should focus on. So, yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Cause I had a friend that said <clears throat> that he's like this whole thing with grass fed, like that's what cows eat. <laughs> like cows eat grass so they're like but I, I know it's just funny the way that he said it, it just had sure. me laughing so if they're if they're on grain their whole life that's also a problem I mean it really is the yeah. cows will just be their digestive tract will be a mess then you have to add a lot of antibiotics to keep them you know healthy and it just it really hurts it hurts the cow's health which is unfortunate for the cow right that's terrible and then eating it is also a little more inflammatory for the host the human if you eat the, the beef if you will 
Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying the episode so far, but as you know, I've interviewed over a thousand women and every time I've watched a thin eater eat, I realize that maintaining a healthy weight is a skill that can be taught and mastered over time. That's why I created a video course that will teach you all the tips that I learned to help me lose over 30 pounds. It's way more powerful to watch the thin eaters than even to listen or to read it. Go to ChantalRayWay.com video for a free glimpse. If you're wanting to take yourself to the next level, everyone needs a coach. Every professional player has a coach. We want to come alongside you and help you in your journey. Go to ChantalRayway.com slash coaching. I just had someone listen to the audiobook three times and she just emailed me and she said by her listening to the audiobook three times, that's what did it. That's what allowed her to really lose the weight. We have an amazing offer for you. It's the second edition of my book, which has tons more information. It has the audiobook, the ebook. It normally runs for $29.99. You can get it today for $4.99. Go to ChantelRayway.com slash deal to get it. Now back to the show. Okay, this next one's from Misty and Carl Carlsbad. My job is super stressful. I sit in front of a computer screen all day and must hold a lot of tension in my neck and shoulders because pretty much as soon as I sit down at my desk and start typing, I notice knots in both of my shoulders. They seem to get worse as I get more stressed out. How can I relieve some of the tension in my neck besides quitting my job? Smiley face. That's a common, as a chiropractor, this is, I see this 25 times a day. And sitting at a computer at a desk, you're here, arms in front of you, face kind of down, typing away. And the problem comes from imbalance of muscle tone. That's the biggest real root problem. So your pec muscles, chest muscles get shorter. They get shorter and shorter as your shoulders draw forward, which opens up the rhomboid muscle complex between the shoulder blades and it stretches them out. So the knots she's feeling is actually the muscles fighting to not be stretched to their limits. They're trying to pull her shoulders back. And if you sit at that same job hours on end, they lose the battle. So correcting that is a posture thing. You know, you really have to make sure your ergonomics are right with your desk. You make sure you're computer screen is up at an elevation. You're not looking down all the time. Make sure your arms are at 90, 90. So you're typing properly and then strengthening lower um, latissimus dorsi and lower trap muscles need to be strengthened every day. So a, a row machine, if you will, grabbing from here, pulling to here is what you need to do to strengthen the muscles between the shoulder blades and actually get your shoulders drawn back where they belong to take away the imbalance of muscle tone. And addressing the stress with things like, you know, Reiki, yoga, massage, Pilates is another really good way to offset the day in and day out buildup of that muscle tension. All right. This next question is from Anonymous. I'm a big intermittent fasting fan, and I'm 100% on board with everything you say in your book on intermittent fasting. So we're on the same page there. But my dad has raised me that organic is just a waste of money. They do all this stuff to make money, he says. Organic is just more expensive. He's almost 90 years old, and he's in perfect health and has never eaten organic. And he says, look at me. I'm in perfect health and never ate organic. What would you respond to him? I'd say his age, he came through (laughs) a total different 
nutritional world than what we are in now. So if you were to eat nothing but say inorganic fruits and vegetables, you're probably going to be just fine. Um, organic probably is not going to say, it's not going to be a game changer from an organic vegetable to an organic vegetable, but it's a little bit better. That's the best way of putting it. It's not like it's daylight and dark, black and white. It's, it is a little bit better. It might not take you someone that is, you know, inevitable to develop diabetes because of family history to not developing diabetes by eating inorganic and organic. It's, it's not that cut and dry, but he grew up before the processed food hysteria. So could you find organic Zesta crackers and eat them all day and think it's healthy? No, uh, it's, it's not like that. So you have to break down the whole food organic world, inorganic world, and then someone that could say organic processed food too. It just, it's hard to really lay it out that cut and dry is what I would say. But as a whole food processes, the government restricts the way you raise them to call it organic and there are positive changes in the food, the growing of food in an organic world. Okay, next one, Shannon in Provo. Don't know where that is. One of my friends started getting dry needling for her back pain and said it really helps. My mom gets acupuncture for her neck and swears by it. I've had back pain for years and want to try one of them, but I'm not sure which is best. What is the difference between dry needling and acupuncture? Which one is better for chronic back pain? Wow. Okay. Well, I'm not an acupuncturist nor a dry needler. I am aware of how both of them relatively work. Um, would not say I'm an expert in any way, but from what I know is dry needling goes to the point of problem. For example, if you have a injured bicep muscle, that's where they're going to affect the dry needling. Where acupuncture works more on those meridian lines. They're, but the, dry needling works very functional in the functional problem area, where acupuncture works more in the physiological ideology. So they're going to work on acupuncture points that don't necessarily mean the exact point of pain, but they're going to try to affect your physiology of your human body to try to metabolize and affect that pain. It's more of a cause and effect, or how do I explain it? It's more of a by association fix instead of a direct input into the pain generator. So for low back pain, it would probably say there's not one or the other that is better. I would start with dry needling, then move to acupuncture because in my opinion, pain is a very functional thing, less of a physiological thing. If it's truly mechanical back pain, it could be digestive pain referral and acupuncture would be very beneficial. But if it's truly a mechanical low back pain, dry needling is going to coat to the point of interest a little bit faster than um, acupuncture will. But if there is a pain referral pattern like organic referral from the large intestine, then acupuncture is going to be more beneficial. So I would start with dry needling. If it didn't help, then I would move into acupuncture in my non-acupuncturist professional opinion. So I know you wrote the book, The Weight is Over, the links between food, health, and weight that your doctor hasn't told you. What would you say is your top two tips that you share with people in the book to give them a little just snippet before they get the whole book. What would you say is two of the big things you talk about? Two of the big things. Uh, the first one is I teach people what food really is. I change the relationship between food 
is you're literally an accumulation of everything you've eaten this far in your life, right? That's what your body and health is. So I help people associate their health is in direct relation to their food intake. That's major. And it's not just about when I'm hungry, I should eat calories that I disconnect from that misinterpretation of what food really is. That's the big one. And then I also help people understand that weight loss and, you know, the overweight epidemic that we are all seeing, um, our culture has tried to break that out on its own. It's tried to make it this thing that is standalone. It doesn't make any difference to other health factors. It's just an overweight diagnosis, if you will, where in my book, I try to explain people like the same things that cause you to be overweight is the same thing that causes stomach dysfunction or, you know, an acid reflux type scenario. It's the same thing that causes hypothyroidism where in our medical community, we're trying to say that hypothyroidism causes the weight gain. I tried to explain to you, it's, it's actually the opposite. It's the same root source that causes adrenal fatigue and liver toxicity and digestive distress and prediabetes and, and also elevated inflammation to heart disease. It's, it's all the same thing. And it's the way we are living in a culture that focuses on going to work in an eight to five job instead of focusing on nourishing our human body in all forms. That means stress management, sleep, and food. So let me ask you, is there any food that you would say, hey, here we've seen like these foods linked to hypothyroidism, people who, you know, are eating this, this, and this, mm-hmm. we're seeing that linked to some hypothyroidism. Okay. So as, you know, functional nutrition, chiropractic, I go to the root, like what is going on? hypothyroidism is not anything wrong with your thyroid gland. There's something wrong with a deficiency in either iodine or tyrosine. Okay. So iodine and tyrosine bind together to make thyroid hormone. In the sixties, it was iodine was the problem. Everyone developed a goiter, which is why they iodized table salt that fixed the problem. Right? So we got rid of that deficiency for the most part, but there's a new problem and iodine is a halogen halogens are chlorine, fluorine, bromine, and iodine. We are toxic in other halogens that is offsetting the uptake of iodine, in my opinion. So chlorine is a problem. It's in bleached white flour. That's that's one of the biggest problems we have is chlorine in our flour. Bromine is a problem because it's in all of our like flame retardants and um, uh, furniture uh, stain preventers that's got bromine in it and if you ingest it you're going to affect your thyroid function bleach cleaners chlorinated bleach cleaners also problem so someone in that um constant you know bleaching their shower when you breathe it in that's it's going to be a negative effect for your thyroid gland so Mm -hmm. for the most part um we don't need enough seafood for the iodine the natural good iodine if you will and our digestive system's not working as well it could to break down the tyrosine from our animal sources. And we're toxic in, in other halogens is the reason. I, I mean, Synthroid is one of the top prescribed medications in our country right now. Yeah, it's crazy. It really is. <laughs> it's very, it's, I mean, it's, it's not surprising for every third patient I see in my office to be on a thyroid medication. What supplements would you say are, do you think are the best for somebody who is having a thyroid issue? Okay. Um, 
somewhat of a loaded question. There's a good supplements, any um, like minerals with trace minerals with like iodine and selenium and magnesium. Those are going to be good for the, the thyroid to function in the liver. Tyrosine, you can't really supplement. You'd really need to eat some green leafy vegetables and some animal meats to do that. Um, but also address digestive function. If you're having any type of stomach issues, you're going to have a hard time breaking down those proteins and hard time assimilating them. And that's really the cascade event that causes the thyroid dysfunction is toxicity and poor digestive function. Yeah. But thank you so much for being on our show today. So where can our listeners go to follow you and your work? Well, I'm, um, I just started Twitter. I don't have any idea how to tweet really. Um, I don't know how people tweet so much, but I have a Twitter. Um, it's Mozingo DC. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm working on it. And also my Facebook page is newstarthealthcenter.com or newstart health center on Facebook. You can, I find, I put recipes on there, things like that. Um, and then uh, my website, www.newstartsolution.com. And then there's some ways to sign up for my email reminders there. And I always have, you know, a pretty nice stream of emails to help people just those little bitty little tips and tricks to get through the day as healthy as they can. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on our show again today. And if you you have a question that you want answered, go to questions at ChantalRayway.com. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at chantelrayway.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.